today's episode of TapCast. I'm your host, Chloe Wersinian. If you're a regular listener, you know that our usual format is that we'll bring on a guest or guests and talk about uh, something about teaching or just anything related to being a graduate student teaching assistant. Uh, You also will probably remember that last episode, we changed things up a little bit. uh, And instead of inviting on a typical guest, we had two other members of the TA project team or tappers, as we fondly call ourselves. And we answered some of your questions. Uh, It went really great. I really enjoyed it. I think Zoe and Jana did as well. So uh, we are experimenting again this week. Um, Today, you're actually just going to hear from me rather than inviting on a guest. Um, And I'm going to talk about something that I've spent a lot of time thinking about, uh, a little bit ironically, uh, and that is the idea of time management and organization and just generally balancing all the responsibilities that we have as graduate student teaching assistants. Uh, This is a question that we get a lot. I think everyone struggles with it a little bit. Um, I mean, how many times do you see someone and you have the usual, oh, how's it going? And the answer is like, oh, fine, but, you know, I feel like I'm behind on this or I didn't get enough done last week, uh, things like that. So, so this is something that we all manage uh, or have to manage and it can be, it can add a lot of stress if we aren't managing it well. Um, academia generally and grad school specifically are already really hard. Um, so if we can find ways to make the time management easier, uh, then that can make our lives a little bit easier as well. So for a little bit of context, um, I am a PhD student in mathematics. Um, I am finishing up my thesis, so I should be graduating next year, uh, assuming nothing goes wrong. As we all know, research is a little bit unpredictable, um, but that is the plan. Um, But I'm also involved in a lot of other things. So um, I'm trying to dip my toes into education research. uh, And so that means taking some classes, going to seminars, um, and I'm also starting on a project with a mentor in our uh, graduate school of education. Um, So that means that I essentially am doing classes, seminars, and research in two fields instead of one. Uh, So that means a lot of things that I have to balance. Um, On top of that, I also do a lot of um, administrative type things. Uh, For example, all of my work with the TA project, uh, organizing these podcasts, organizing our orientation, our workshops. Uh, I taught one of our classes this semester. Um, I'm also helping our department with some reform efforts around our calculus classes, incorporating more active learning. Uh, Anyone who knows me knows that I love talking about active learning, um, so I'm really enjoying that. Um, I'm also on our graduate student liaison committee. I do various other odds and ends teaching uh, like one-off workshops, things like that. Um, so I have lots of different things that I have to do and that I have signed up for. And so time management is critical for me keeping my sanity. Um, so this is something I've, I've thought a lot about. And these are uh, five tips that I have picked up along the way. And hopefully you will find them helpful as well. Tip number one, get a calendar. I don't care if it's on paper, I don't care if it's uh, digital, I don't care if it's an app on your phone, if you use all of the above, I don't care. Get a calendar. Uh, You have to be able to keep track of all of the various meetings and other scheduled things that you have to do. If you have a meeting with your advisor, you don't want to miss that. If you're uh, 
teaching a large coordinated course with many sections. You probably have some sort of meetings uh, that are course-wide. You don't want to miss those. Uh, there are all kinds of cool seminars that you probably want to go to. If you get those in your calendar when you hear about that, you're less likely to forget about them. And you also want to make sure that you don't schedule something that overlaps with something else that's important uh, and then figure out who you have to email uh, to, to reschedule one of those or miss them. And neither of which is a particularly great situation. So having a calendar is super important. The other thing I want you to consider when you're choosing a calendar program is uh, some sort of task or to-do list functionality. Um, most calendar programs have something like this, um, but you may want to consider a separate uh, way of tracking that. There's all kinds of apps that are specifically to-do list uh, oriented, um, or you may just want to write it on paper. I mean, if you have a paper planner, it's a little bit easier to incorporate that because it's just paper and you can write whatever you want on it. Um, but, but I would strongly urge you to consider something that has that functionality in it uh, because not only are we busy people with places to be, um, but we also have things to do and we want to keep track of that. Personally, I use Outlook for my calendar. I have the Outlook app on my phone and also the application on my computer. Um, the main reason I use Outlook over Google is that I'm using Outlook for my email. Um, I think if I was using Google for my email, I might use Google Calendar instead, so there's not a particular reason for that. Um, although I will get into why I use Outlook for my email over Google in a little bit. Um, but I don't just use this app, I also use a bullet journal. Um, and let me preface right here, when I tell people that I use a bullet journal, if they've heard of bullet journal, their first response is always, I don't have time, I'm not creative enough something along those lines. If you've seen bullet journals, you've probably seen them on Pinterest or blogs uh, where people have drawn these beautiful uh, layouts with all kinds of like flowers and colors and everything everywhere. Um, and your bullet journal can have that if you want it to, but it doesn't have to, to be functional. Um, so, so what is a bullet journal? Uh, the basic idea is that you get a notebook that has, instead of having lined pages or blank pages, it has a grid of dots. So you can put in the lines wherever you need them. And then you put all of the things in one place. So any uh, random notes that come into your mind, any tasks that you need to do, any uh, scheduled things, um, uh, really potentially anything. Um, the beauty of it is that it's so flexible that you can change up what you need or you can change what it looks like as your needs shift. Um, so I'll post a couple of pictures of what my bullet journals have looked like over the years um, in the show notes if you want to check that out. Tip number two, stay on top of your emails. Now, this could be an entire episode in itself, um, and so maybe we'll, we'll pop out and do a little bonus episode at some point or maybe a video uh, to talk about this more specifically, but I still think it's really important to include in this episode about uh, organization. Um, the way that I generally stay on top of my emails is that I treat it like a to-do list. Anything that's still sitting in my inbox is something that needs my attention, which means that I have to get things out of my inbox when they're done. Uh, so delete is often helpful, um, but most of the things that I deal with 
there are things that I may need to reference later, even if they no longer need my direct attention. So archive is a really great functionality to, to take advantage of. Um, I actually didn't know about the archive feature until I started digging into like, how the heck do I manage so many emails because I have all the emails and I can't find the important ones and it's overwhelming. Um, so I heard about this archive functionality. Um, you may already know about it um, and maybe I just wasn't in the know. But um, it's really great. I essentially think of it like my trash bin that never gets uh, deleted. So uh, literally the only time that I go into my archive folder is if I'm like, oh, man, there was a thing that someone sent me a while ago and I don't need it. I didn't need it at the time. I need it now. Let me go search and find it. Um, it really helps to keep things sort of out of the way so that when I open my inbox, I don't have to search for the things that are important or that need my attention. It also helps me find the incoming emails uh, and not get overwhelmed with all of those because there's just generally less emails in my inbox. Um, related to this, I recommend setting an email policy for your students uh, specifically and then sticking to it. Um, it's easy to get overwhelmed when we're teaching with how many emails students will send us or hopefully they send us emails and ask us questions. Uh, of course, that's something that we all want. Um, but it can be overwhelming if, for example, it's Saturday afternoon and you're like, okay, I think I'm gonna unplug a little bit. I actually have a few minutes to relax. And then you get an email from a student with a, a really great question and you're like, oh, okay, I have to email the student. Um, and then that can spiral real fast. So uh, set a policy um, that helps you sit back and not have to answer everything immediately um, and also helps your students manage expectations. So the email policy that I have is that I will answer students' emails within uh, two business days. Now, especially if there's a weekend somewhere in the middle of those two business days, often I will get to emails sooner than that but it does help me to have that uh, deadline set on it so that if I'm really engaged with my thesis project or I'm like, no, I need to turn off. It's Saturday. I'm not dealing with this. Um, I have that, that um, I guess it's acceptable for me to do that. I don't feel guilty about not answering emails that are coming in right away because I have set that expectation for my students and they know that if they're emailing me today, it's okay if I don't get to them today, I will get to them the next day. Um, so, so that's been helpful for me to not stress. It's also been helpful for students to figure out how to manage their expectations and also knowing that they need to email me with enough advance notice um, in order to guarantee a response in the time that they need. So if they email me in the morning and say, hey, can we meet this afternoon? I might get it in time and in many cases I do but they can't be mad at me if I don't. Uh, and so in, in most cases, students are able to email me a few days ahead of time so that we can get something set up well before uh, the actual time that we meet and so it doesn't fall through the cracks. The other thing related to this is that it's okay to turn off on the evenings and the weekends. Um, I've had people tell me that they uh, have actually deleted emails from their phone, like, like deleted the apps, so they don't get notifications. On one hand, I do see the value in that um, and the ability to turn off, but personally, because I've set this expectation of two business days for my students, um, I'm okay with getting emails to my phone because if it is something that needs my uh, more immediate attention, 
or something that I would like to get to more immediately, I can. Um, but I've been able to, by setting expectations, I've been able to set my own standards for, you know, this email came in, it's Saturday afternoon, even if it's not from one of my students, I'm okay with answering it tomorrow and no one's going to get mad at me for that. Um, and so that stress is is something that I've been able to manage really well without having to delete that. Um, but, you know, it doesn't work for everyone. So that's something to consider um, as well. A lot of email apps also have the functionality to pause your inbox. So your app is still on your phone and if you're like sitting at the train station or the airport and you're like, I'm just sitting here waiting for my scheduled departure, uh, you can open up your phone and still deal with emails, but you can set it to pause so that it won't notify you of new emails um, if that helps you turn off. I did promise that I would talk a little bit more about uh, why I use Outlook over Gmail. Uh, the first reason is really just that the uh, official Rutgers email that I have as uh, faculty staff is, uh, is is Outlook powered. So so that's the primary one. Uh, and then also I'm uh, many of the things that I'm involved in have their own email address. Uh, and because the Rutgers official thing is through Outlook, all of those are through Outlook and it just makes it easier for me to access everything in one place. Um, but it's not like I don't have the option of using Gmail as my sort of thing that I think of primarily as my, my email. I do also have Gmail accounts because we all have so many email accounts. Um, so, so I do have Gmail accounts and I could theoretically use that as my primary. Um, but the reason I choose to use Outlook as my primary email account is that I like having the standalone app uh, application on my computer. Uh, I like not having to open a web browser in order to open my email and my calendar. Uh, I find that if I open the web browser to do it, it's too easy to be like, okay, I checked my email. Uh, well, as long as the web browser is broke, uh, the web browser is open, I may as well go check Facebook or Twitter real quick. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> the problem is that's that's a rabbit hole that I can fall down real quick. Uh, versus if I'm doing it in a standalone app, uh, it's easier to mitigate those temptations. It's possible that Gmail has something like that. I haven't looked into it much, I must admit. Um, but uh, the fact that Outlook has that is, is a huge plus for me. Tip number three. Know the difference between things that are urgent and things that are important. And related to this, know the difference between tasks and projects. Um, so this has been written about a lot, and I'll link to a couple of articles about it in the show notes. Um, basically, the first time that I heard about this, um, the author of the article was talking about essentially setting up your to-do list as a grid. So it's a two-by-two two grid uh, where the columns determine whether the thing is important or not important, and the rows determine whether it's urgent or not urgent. And of course, you could swap those. There's nothing important about which one's the column and which one's the row. Um, but the point is that you would then have this grid of things that are both important and urgent, things that are not either, and things that are one or the other. Um, of course, that first category of things that are both urgent and important are easy to prioritize, um, but where we often get tripped up is the things that are one but not the other. And we tend to prioritize things that are urgent but not important over things that are important but not urgent. Uh, and this is where the task project distinction comes in for me, uh, or at least this is the way that I think of tasks versus projects. 
So when I think of project, the main thing I'm thinking of is your thesis. It's this big amalgamous project, this, this massive thing that takes multiple years to complete. And it's easy to put that off because you have multiple years to complete it. Um, it's easy to get bogged down and just not feel like you're making any progress and not feel like you've accomplished anything. Um, and so we can often find ourselves doing all the other little things that we need to do and, and not spending enough time on our thesis. Um, and so that is something that I would say is important, but not urgent. Uh, your thesis is the thing that's getting you the degree. You have to do it. It's so important, but it doesn't feel urgent most of the time until you're actually coming up close on graduation. Um, Tasks, on the other hand, are things that are uh, urgent. Sometimes they're important. Sometimes they're not. I think of tasks. I think of tasks as things that are can be done in a relatively short period of time. So not over the course of multiple years. Uh, things that you can like actually complete and and check off of a list. Uh, so that could be something like, uh, oh, I have to send this email to my students or I need to go through my inbox. Uh, I need to grade this stack of papers. I need to uh, record this month's episode of the podcast. Uh, I need to record this month's episode of the podcast. Um, things like that. Things that I can actually check off and be done with. Um now, I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing your tasks. You, you do need to keep on top of things, um, especially the ones that are important. Um, just don't let the tasks get overwhelming. The other thing is that part of what makes tasks and things that are urgent but not important so appealing is the fact that you can cross it off and you get this motivation and uh, this sense of pride that you're like, yeah, I've accomplished something. Uh, and it's nice to have that feeling and it's harder to get that feeling from things that are these big long-term amalgamous projects. Um, so I find that I try to impose tasks onto my projects and that helps me get this sense of satisfaction uh so for example i'll be like all right i have you know these sections in my thesis and uh i just need to go read this thing and write a couple paragraphs about it in my background section um and so that's a task that i can i can cross off um i need to i've written up this computation and i just need to go type it up so that's the task i can i can do um and so breaking it up into those little pieces i have found to be really helpful um because then I can, even with this giant project that I can't cross off the actual project of having a thesis uh, for a while still, uh, having it task-based does help a lot with the motivation. And uh, I can set deadlines for it to help me keep on track um, and things like that. Tip number four, know yourself. Are you a morning person? Are you a night person? Uh, do you like large swaths of time to work on one project or do you need to switch gears more frequently to stay focused? Do you tend to forget important meetings or are you the kind of person whose internal clock is always on the ball? Um, knowing what you need and the way that your mind works is really helpful for time management. Um, if you're you know, think about when you schedule your teaching time, if you if you have some choice in that. 
Um, think about when you're scheduling your tasks versus your projects uh, or when you're scheduling your downtime. Um, I find that I like doing my doing some emails at least first thing in the morning i wake up i make my coffee and as i'm drinking my coffee i deal with some emails uh, and i find that that's really helpful for me to start the day feeling accomplished so before uh, i have even finished my first cup of coffee i have accomplished something and that really sets the pace for the day uh, and i find i really like that on the other hand i have friends who absolutely cannot do that because they feel like they're gonna get just sucked into their emails and then they spend the entire morning answering emails and then they're like well there's half of my day that was not the best use of a half a day um so so know yourself and be willing to figure it out along the way. You might need to try something different uh, to figure out what really makes sense for you. Personally, uh, I am absolutely a morning person. After dinner, I can't focus at all. It's, it's so hard for me to get anything done after dinner time. But if I'm up at 4 a.m., I can be so productive. Um, and so I find ways to make myself follow that schedule. I go to bed earlier, even knowing that there's still things to do, um, because I know that I'll get up early in the morning and I'll be able to get more done in the two hours between four and six, uh, than I will the entire night, even if I stay up until 4 a.m. Um, and so I've, I've had to figure that out for myself, uh, even just in the last couple of years, but it's made a huge difference with um, my ability to get things done and my stress about uh, not accomplishing things. So know yourself and, and be willing to try new things as you discover uh, what you need. Which brings us to tip five. There is no silver bullet to this stuff. You have to be willing to try new things and there's a very good chance that you'll need to do multiple things at the same time. Um, remember how I use both Outlook and a bullet journal um, and I also use other things as well. For example, I use uh, a website and an app called Trello for managing my thesis uh, and breaking up the giant project into manageable tasks. Um, so I have all three of those just for tasks and schedule. Um, I've used all kinds of other ones along the way um, and all of my friends have used various things. So talk to people, see what they're using, see what they like, see what they don't like, try something new, be willing to adapt. Um, honestly, Googling various things I found to be really helpful. Um, there's all kinds of blogs out there that'll be like, five applications for managing your to-do list um, and you can try some of those and see the pros and cons of each um, and honestly your needs will probably change over time and not even necessarily long-term time just oh this semester I'm doing this and next semester I'm doing that and then the following semester I'm going back to doing this uh, and so that might change uh, for example last summer uh, I was doing all kinds of odds and ends. I was at, at a workshop for a couple of weeks and then I was teaching for a couple of weeks, this like high school program. And then I had to come back and then I had to do jury duty and then I was on vacation and then I was helping with the orientation. And, and so like each week was a completely different structure. And so I didn't really need a week like breakdown page, but man, did I need an overall page in my bullet journal that was just like, here is my summer. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm going next week. Uh, and I broke it down by monthly goals. So I had a big calendar that had all of the days and it was color coded by the various projects and tasks and events that I was doing. Uh, and then next to that, each month had like a couple of major goals that I wanted to accomplish during that month. Uh, and that was all I needed for that. 
However, during the school year, that would not work at all. I totally need a week-by-week breakdown uh, that includes daily breakdowns as part of that on what am I doing, what are my goals, what tasks do I need to get done, who am I meeting with, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So be willing to change things up a little bit um, and know what your needs are for various uh, timeframes. And then, of course, there is also the long term. Uh, Your needs will change over time as your life and career evolve over time. So those are my five quick tips for time management, organization, and balancing all of your responsibilities as a graduate student teaching assistant. Of course, this is not a comprehensive list, and it's obviously based on my bias uh, and the things that have worked really well for me, Um, but I hope you got some ideas out of it. Um, And honestly, just thinking about this stuff and being aware of it and being willing to try things, um, it's already a huge help. This is also the last episode of TapCast for season one. Uh, We will be back in September for season two, and you'll have monthly episodes then. Uh, We may also do a bonus episode or two this summer. No guarantees, but keep an eye out if that does happen. If you're not subscribed, you could, I recommend you subscribe to us on whatever podcasting app you use. We are on most of them uh, so that you can get all those bonus episodes uh, and see us when we come back in September. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with the, all the things that the TA Project is doing, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash TA Project, all one word. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at TA underscore project, uh, or you can find us on our website at tap.ruckers.edu or to get to the tapcast specific page it's tap.ruckers.edu slash tapcast.php also we love hearing from you guys Uh, last episode we answered your questions and it was a lot of fun and we want to hear more about what you want to hear about so if you have questions keep sending them our way Uh, if you have ideas for entire episodes, we'd love to hear it. Um, or if you want to be a guest on the show, let us know and we can chat. So thank you for, uh, keeping up with us for season one. It's been a really great year. We've learned so many cool things from so many great people. Uh, and I'm excited to do it all again next year. So until next time, thanks for listening.